So what is Advent? I will confess that I did not know what Advent was until about three years ago. Not really, anyways. In my ignorance, I certainly didn't know why people would love Advent, what meaning it held for their lives, nor did I have any idea what it had to teach us about love. But to my seminary peers, it was a really big deal, so I learned quickly. In simple terms, Advent is the season in the Christian calendar that leads up to Christmas. Much like Lent is the period of waiting before Easter, Advent is the period of waiting before Christmas. It is a penitential season, a season of preparing oneself for what is to come. Historically, it meant fasting, which maybe seems impossible in the season of cookies and eggnog. But then during the Second Vatican Council in the 1960s, when the Catholic Church reformed much of their teaching and practice, there was a shift to focusing on Advent as a season of expectant hope. They wanted to distinguish Advent from Lent, but didn't go so far as to make it a non-penitential season. So it remains a time for waiting and preparing, for slowing down and reflecting, but nothing is given up. It became a season for hope, for expectantly awaiting Christmas. But what is Christmas about? I taught Sunday school to kindergartners last year at a UCC congregation, and I asked my students this very question. A few of them, not surprisingly, said that Christmas was about presents. One rather pointedly said that Christmas was about getting money, but eventually we got back to the answer I was fishing for. Christmas is the day Jesus was born. Now, that may or may not hold any significance to you personally, but to understand the season of waiting and preparation, we need to have some working understanding of what is expected. In my efforts to understand Advent, I asked my friends a whole host of questions. For instance, who is Emmanuel, and why are we beckoning him towards us as we did in our first hymn? As a friend kindly explained to me, Emmanuel means God with us. In the Hebrew, Emmanu means with us, and El means God. So referring to Jesus as Emmanuel is to say that in him, the sacred and the human are unified. Let's take this concept of Emmanuel a few steps farther, because without an understanding of what the birth of Jesus means for Christian theology, Advent becomes a thing of wreaths and chocolate calendars, a countdown to a shopping deadline. And in truth, the story of Christmas is radical and subversive and life-giving. But to get there, we need to understand what's happening with Jesus' birth, both theologically and contextually. So we're going to take a brief look into the nature of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want to recognize that talking about the Trinity in a UU congregation is unusual. <laughs> but let's see if it can help in this process of seeking understanding. Because as one theologian so wryly put it, the Trinity is not two men and a bird. 
So there are two ideas that I find helpful here for our work of translation. First, to say that God is three in one is to say that to the very core of God's self, God is in relationship, that God is composed of relationship. So when I say God, I'm not talking about some king in the clouds. To say that God is three in one is to say that God is composed of relationship. Second, the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, is the embodiment of God's desire to exist in intimate relationship with the human by becoming human. The theologian Catherine Tanner says, quote, In Jesus, unity with God takes a perfect form. Here, humanity has become God's own. And the Reverend Dr. Willie Jennings puts it this way, quote, God in Jesus embraced our vulnerability in order to embrace us, revealing the truth to us that we were created out of love for life with God, designed fundamentally, deeply for relationship, end quote. So inside this theological frame, Christmas is fundamentally a story about connection, about love transforming the world by entering into it. Now, if we layer the context and circumstances of the story, it becomes even more shocking. In our modern depiction of the Christmas scene, it has become rather cute. But in fact, it's both historically and metaphorically inaccurate to depict Jesus as this freshly bathed baby with golden curls sleeping in a super pristine gazebo strung with lights. This portrayal of Jesus' birth is remarkable for the degree to which it has been sanitized. Mary is dressed in blue and white robes. She's glowing and serene as if she spent the day in a spa. Now, I have not given birth, but my sense is it's not a spa experience. Especially not if you're young and poor and find yourself giving birth in a barn. The scene is, in truth, scandalous because it undermines this projection of empire onto God. It undermines the worship of power over Because God enters the world not as a king, but as a baby dependent on his mother. And remember, this was a time when being an unwed woman was so dangerous that if your husband died, his brother was required to marry you to protect you from violence and destitution. Can you imagine? You're a poor, young unwed woman who is nine months pregnant with a child that isn't your partner's. And you're going by foot to the capital city in order to be counted for the census because you live under an oppressive regime. And on this journey, you realize you're going into labor, but wherever you ask for shelter, you get turned away. So you end up in a stable, giving birth alone with your partner in the night with only the light of the moon and the stars to guide you. Can you imagine? 
Labor is a dangerous thing today, even with all that we know about medicine and maternal health and sanitation. But Jesus was born before all that. There wasn't even a midwife. And they're in a barn. There are no pristine baby swaddles in this scene. It is messy and human, and there is no epidural to ease Mary's pain, no team of nurses and doctors to ease their fears. They're alone in the night giving birth to a mysterious child that the king, King Herod, wants killed. It isn't safe. Can you imagine? And yet the Christian story says this is how God enters the world. This is how God chooses to enter the world. This is where we find the indwelling of the divine. It is a radical thing to say that the God with us comes in the form of this child. It pushes against all ideas that our worth, our desirability, is somehow a product of our success or independence or achievement. Because God enters the world from the margins, not as a king, but as an infant, vulnerable and dependent on his mother, seeking relationship. Advent is a season for preparing ourselves for love to find us in the most unlikely of people and places. A season for expecting the indwelling of the sacred in the messy, for recognizing our own great desire for relationship and leaning into it. And this focus on the desire for connection can be a source of grief in this season. The grief for all those gone from this world, gone from our lives, and the grief of unfulfilled hope. It can be a season in which the difference between what we wish and what is weighs heavy on our hearts. Because our image of love is that perfect, happy family. And that isn't actually real. Love isn't perfect or tidy, and the vulnerability necessary for connection also makes us vulnerable to hurt and disappointment. In the desire for our lives to resemble that greeting card, it can become a season of feeling insufficient, not one of expectant hope. And I think this is in part due to the quaint sterility of the way we talk about Christmas. The awe and the hope get lost when we make the story tidy and palatable, when we erase the messy and sacred reality of this night. In truth, the Christian story is about a God that does not turn away from suffering, a God that chooses to be born into it in order to be with us in our human frailty. Liberation theologians call this accompaniment. This God with us in the places and moments of anguish. In the Christian story, this is possible because Jesus is born into suffering, because he knows in his body what it means to be human. This is what Advent is expecting. It is a season for making space in our lives for relationship and connection, for remembering that the birth of something holy might happen in the most unexpected places, that we are lovable in our imperfection, that we are not alone in our humanness. 
The story reminds us to look for that shining star of love, those sparks that beckon us toward life. It speaks of the unexpected moments of grace and love that crack us open. Advent is a season that asks us to rest in the belief that the holy lives in the most unlikely places, that the pull of life and love drawing us back into relationship will be tender and messy and vulnerable, and therein lies its power. Advent beckons us on the journey to seek that shining star, to embrace life, to grow in our capacity to love and be loved. Amen.